church on Sundays, you shake my hand and we sing songs. When you're all alone, you talk about my life gone wrong. Nowadays, people say the end is coming soon, but there ain't no way in hell that heaven's full of folks like you. Hey everyone, that's a tune called Hypocrite's Rag by Bug Martin. I'll be playing the song in its entirety at the end of the show. Bug has been working with friend and listener Joe Pugsley and his label, Peric Victory Records. If you're a longtime listener, you might recall me playing some of Joe's stuff on the show in the past. Really cool guy, and we share a lot of the same musical tastes. I think we originally bonded over our mutual interest in atheism and horror punk. Bug might not sound anything like the Misfits, but a talented musician with a really charming sound. And as I told Joe, I actually like the folksy stuff. And for some reason, Bug Martin's uh, Hypocrite's Rag made me think of one of my favorite TV shows, Northern Exposure. I can almost hear it being played on K-Bear. But you can check out Bug's album Gutterball on SoundCloud. Just look for Bug Martin Gutterball by PVR Recordings. I think the album technically doesn't get released until the 26th of this month, I believe. And this was kind of the perfect time to open the show differently. So I'm glad Joe brought that song to my attention and let me play it. Because I was planning on foregoing the usual intro this week anyway, due to the fact that this episode was originally just meant to be some bonus content I was going to release on the heels of episode 330, I started fleshing out the script last Sunday, and then I started to realize it might end up being more involved than I thought, so I was like, hmm, I guess I'll make it next week's main episode. To my surprise, I actually ended up basically finishing the script sometime around the beginning of the week and moved on to working on a short documentary episode I'm hoping to also uh, release soon. And so as not to keep you in suspense any longer, today's episode is a follow-up to all the non-sequitur show drama that's been going on for the last month or so. As you might be aware, I already offered my two cents on the situation back while it was still fresh. But then last weekend, I watched a video Kyle had live-streamed the previous night. And I believe the name of the video is Let's Set the Record Straight. I wanted to make sure I got that right. Because if you're a regular listener, then you probably know I've done a couple of response videos to Computing Forever. And I believe I've gotten the name of the video I was responding to incorrect on a number of occasions. I was calling it Rediscovering My Faith. And I believe it's rediscovering faith, colon, my return to Christianity, or something like that. But back to the non-sequitur show. So something transpired since Kyle released that video that kind of threw a bit of a monkey wrench in my script, if that makes sense. Uh, Steve McRae issued some kind of cease and desist order against Kyle Curtis, demanding that he hand the channel back over to him and that he turn over or disclose the relevant financial information. So this development may require me to tweak things a bit as I go. Maybe I should actually read Steve's statement that he published on YouTube. 
Okay, so here it is, and it reads, To keep non-sequitur show fans in the loop, Kyle was officially given a demand letter from my lawyer, fully licensed in the state of North Carolina, to release all financials, pay amount due, with a cease and desist from streaming on the channel, in order of preservation to not delete anything relating to the channel or material facts of my complaint, and to revert ownership back to my name as primary. Kyle has seven days from yesterday yesterday to respond. And I believe uh, that was published yesterday. Uh, and today is Friday, July the 20th. So this will have been published uh, July 19th, just to give this all some context or perspective. And I know I'm going a little off track here, but I mentioned scripting the show earlier. So just to clarify how I go about making the show, how the proverbial sausage is made, the documentary episodes are always scripted. The numbered episodes are often off the cuff, hence the uh, ums and ahs, etc. Sometimes if I get a jump on things, I may start scripting the episode ahead of time. And even then, the result is usually a kind of hybrid episode where I liberally veer off script. Okay, so back on topic. And uh, quickly for my listeners who don't live on YouTube and might not be familiar with the situation, before we go any further, The Non Sequitur Show is or was a rather popular podcast slash YouTube channel hosted by Kyle Curtis and Steve McRae. I was a big fan of the show and really liked both hosts and what I thought was the seeming chemistry between them. I really loved the content, flat earth, debunking, debates, interviews with scholars and intellectuals, great stuff. Then everything went down the proverbial shitter after a dumpster fire of a video that wasn't meant to see the light of day got leaked into the wild. The video featured a very uncomfortable confrontation between Steve and Kyle, with YouTuber Red's Rhetoric trying to play peacekeeper or moderator in his own way. Now, it's safe to say that the lion's share of viewers, including myself, thought Kyle came out looking pretty bad. He had basically stated that Steve wasn't or would no longer be entitled to a 50% share of the show that the two of them had founded together as partners. It was also revealed that Steve had yet to receive any payment. In fairness, there was some kind of complicating factor having to do with the way in which Steve wanted to get paid, something possibly to do with a benefits threshold, I'm not sure, but still, the podcast and channel had been around for at least a couple of years, and Steve hadn't seen a dime. When Kyle also tried to deny Steve Teespring or merch money, Steve famously shouted, you have my face on a mug. And uh, in the wake of all this, every episode on the non-sequitur show Kyle has released since Steve's departure has been absolutely ratioed. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of downvotes, 400, 900, etc. Always far more downvotes than upvotes. And a comment section just filled to the brim with people voicing their disappointment with Kyle and seeking recompense for Steve. And as I said before, I really liked both these guys, and I liked the way they complemented each other's personalities. Kyle was the kind of fun, trendy guy with a charming southern accent, and Steve was the quirky and contemplative intellectual. I thought they were a great team, so it's weird to think of myself as being for one and against the other. 
But as I've said before, although it feels kind of immature or tribalistic to put it in a team context, I do tend to think of myself as leaning heavily towards Team Steve. I think it's just that my moral compass can't abide by the idea of founding a podcast or some other corporate or creative endeavor with someone and then telling them they're no longer a 50-50 partner. Maybe, maybe if the person was so destructive and dysfunctional that you couldn't work with them and for the sake of the business you had to find a way to part ways, that's one thing. But I don't think that was the case with Kyle and Steve. I think Kyle started taking Steve for granted. And I know that's presumptuous of me as someone on the outside, but as a fan who's been keeping up with all this and listening to both sides. Kyle was supposed to be the creative guy. Steve was supposed to be the guy who brought the big guest as well as his own scientific and philosophical knowledge to the table. And over time, Kyle started to feel like his graphic slash music work, as well as his on-air personality perhaps, was more than what Steve was bringing. And I also think Kyle had friends he had been bringing on the show kind of whispering in his ear about Steve. That's what's been suggested anyway. Kyle had developed a new kind of vision for the show that included people like Godless Engineer and his wife KC and Mr. Atheist, and he had begun to edge out Steve in the old non-sex show that so many of us knew and loved. During that aforementioned confrontation, Kyle did bring up how problematic Steve supposedly was and how he had to deal with people saying how they didn't want to come on the show because of him, etc. But Steve turned that right around and said, hey, I get the same thing about some of your friends like Mr. Atheist. So it seemed like Kyle was trying to imply that you're not getting as much time because you are a problem and I'm getting complaints. But if it weren't for Steve, the non-sequitur show never would have had those interesting high-tier guests that put it on the map in the beginning. And just look at all the fallout. The non-sequitur show's Patreon balance falls as Steve's rises. Steve's sub-count rises and his upvotes outweigh his downvotes. Doesn't look like Steve was such a problem after all. And in fairness to Kyle, even with the non-sequitur show and the state it's in, he still has a more successful channel than I have. I only have about 6,400 subscribers. And with certain exceptions, my videos usually don't get that many views. But still, if Kyle wants to ever pull the non-sequitur show out of its current nightmarish nosedive, as far as I can tell, he only has a couple of options. I get why he doesn't want to start from scratch, it's tough starting over. You don't know if you'll be able to mirror your past success or if your haters will just follow you to your new channel and ratio you there too. So if you're going to keep that channel, one option, I don't know if this is something either Steve or Kyle would ever even entertain at this point, especially in the context of the recent cease and desist order, etc., but you could bury the hatchet with Steve and bring him back, and I guarantee that the lion's share of that deluge of downvotes would automatically go away. People would be psyched to have Steve and the real non-sequitur show back. But like I said, I don't know if that's just wishful thinking at this point. Both the guys have lawyers, things are pretty tense, the community's divided once again in Steve's favor, I would say. 
The other thing Kyle could do is to resolve things financially with Steve, give him the money he's owed, including working out a deal to try to make sure he continues to earn a share of monetization for old videos he appears in, and those smugs with his face on them. Just some levity. And I know some people think it's unrealistic to try to parse out money for certain videos, but I think YouTube Analytics does actually tell you how much each particular video earns. And once again, in fairness to Kyle, that recent video that spurred me to record this did actually deal with paying Steve. According to Kyle, he's working through a lawyer, which is why it's supposedly taking so long for Steve to get paid. That's his story anyway. May very well be the case. Time will tell. Maybe uh, Steve's recent legal order will help move things along in that regard. But speaking of Kyle's video, I culled out about a three-minute clip that I think illustrates why Kyle still doesn't quite get it. He's trying to justify his whole Steve was no longer a 50-50 partner thing by pointing to a time when he, being Steve, left a decision concerning monetization in Kyle's hands. And hopefully this isn't priming the audience. But in general, and then I'll go into further detail after, what my problem is with Kyle's take is that I think even if a partner leaves some of the decision-making in the other person's hands, or isn't necessarily as assertive in certain areas, that doesn't negate their rightful stake in the partnership. So I'll play that now. YouTube was taking a while to monetize our channel. We had been eligible for months and it just wasn't happening. A lot of people who do YouTube have been through this similar situation. And there's a third way that you can do this with um, MCNs, um, I forget what the M stands for, but something channel network, multiple channel network, I think. Um, and we had gotten an offer from one and um, this is the conversation about um, getting monetized through a third party and um, that starts out with me saying, check your email, look over at ASAP. I'm going to monetize us before tonight. Steve said, I wish I had studied up. Um, uh, kind of dropped a little bit on it. Um, he's checking now. And I said, we can uh, leave the contact if we wish. And Steve is quoting a, um, a portion of the monetization thing about um, good faith in live streaming. Um, he says, I'm really nervous about these type of things. They never give promos and are basically useless from what everyone tells me. And I said, um, I was explaining that um, the various aspects that he pulled up and um, it's it was a, I think they give you like a time period. You got like 30 days and you could decide after the 30 days if you wanted to continue or if you wanted to cancel um, free and clear. And I said, um, all you got to do is roll with it until YouTube um, catches up. Um, Steve said here, it is your call, but I'm not seeing how it benefits us as few people have these services. And I was saying it's better than zero. Just click on that link. Um, and I show that for a reason because that was a that was a decision that was going through about the monetization of the channel. And um, he clearly says that it's my call on the choice of whether we do that or not. And this is one example of many, and they have been pulled out. I'm not going to go through all of them because I don't think that's necessary, but I'm just trying to, to show a picture of, at this particular time, um, the channel was smaller, and I don't know Steve's motivations 
um, now, but you're going to see another example here of the deference to my call, like whatever I think is the the best way forward. Um, he was not as insistent that this is um, half his channel and that he be uh, included in the decision making. Um, I was going through like what our options were on that and um, I think it's twice he says that's your call and that's talking about um, partnering up and the monetization of the channel which is one of the biggest aspects of the channel so if it's my call I think that sort of goes to a um, an indication that there was an understanding that the decisions of the channel and um, that sort of thing were, as he said, um, my call. Okay, and apologies for the kind of subpar audio quality there. I believe that was inherent in the original clip. So he's saying that Steve wasn't exactly being assertive or decisive regarding the question of whether or not to join a YouTube network for the sake of monetization. He's basically leaving that call up to Kyle, and Kyle is now trying to use that to illustrate how Steve wasn't a 50-50 partner. My problem with that is if you found a business or partnership of some kind with someone and it's 50-50, the person doesn't suddenly lose their stake in the partnership just because they're not assertive enough in your eyes in certain areas of the business. I get why it might be frustrating to Kyle because whether or not to join a network or whatever it's called is a big decision for a content creator. But in fairness to Steve, especially, and this part is not scripted, especially now that I've listened to it again, Steve actually does put his two cents in. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically does state that he has some reservations or that he's not sure that it's worth it, but leaves it up to Kyle. It's your call. And I actually think that's pretty normal for a partnership. Someone has to give, right? If you have two diametrically opposed stances on what to do about something, I mean, eventually someone has to acquiesce, right? And you have to take action. You can't just butt heads all day on the thing, on the issue. So Steve's kind of counseling, hey, I have my reservations, but I'll let it be your call at the end of the day, you know? It's not like he was sitting in the corner of the room picking his nose, eating a ham sandwich without a care in the world. He actually gave some thought to the issue and and gave some input. Now, I was going to say, I used to be in a band, technically still in a band. And when we were more active, I can give plenty of examples from back in the day when maybe we're, we were writing a song and we were trying to figure out which drum beat to go with. And I would have an opinion, and I'd let my opinion be heard, but for the sake of moving onward, I'd be like, guys, I voice my opinion. You guys know where I stand. I'll leave the final decision in your hands just so we can move on. I think both beats sound good, you know? Um, or maybe we'd be recording a demo and we'd have like 12 songs to pick from, but we knew we wanted to boil it down to four songs to put on a demo. We had to pick the, the four songs. I'd let my personal choices or favorites be known, 
but I'd be flexible and easygoing about it. I wouldn't let my ego get in the way of getting into the studio and, you know, having a finished product, you know? So if the other guys were insisting on, a, you know, a couple of different songs that I didn't personally feel strongly about, that was all right with me. I'd be like, oh, I feel more strongly about these ones, but, you know, I'll leave it up to you guys. Um, at least there's still a couple on, that I, on there that I feel strongly about, you know? And I don't mean to paint an erroneous or deceptive picture of the band, because really, generally, we always got along really well, for the most part, most of us, to the point where, you know, we had a kind of chemistry between us as musicians that a lot of times, it was, uh, this is weird for a non-believer to say, but there was, there was almost a kind of magic in the air, you know, it felt like the songs almost wrote themselves. But sure, there was times when you would hit snags and the songs didn't always come together so easily or not everyone would agree on things. And in a partnership, when things like that come up, you have to know when to try to compromise, when to choose your battles, um, when to dig your heels in and when to let the other person have their way, so to speak, or to be flexible. And in fairness to Steve, the way Kyle lays it out, he frames it like it was a big deal. You know, it has to do with monetization. And yeah, in a, in a way, for a content creator, obviously monetization is a very big deal. But he says that hopefully it would just be for a short period while they were waiting for YouTube to monetize their channel directly. So either way, whether they joined a network or not, Hopefully, if everything went as planned, eventually they would be monetized officially by YouTube. So in a sense, it wasn't that big of a deal. They just, you know, maybe they join a network for a short period of time while waiting for the monetization to come through. So for Steve, something like that is probably wise on his part to not butt heads with Kyle. He kind of maturely offered his two cents let his reservations be known, and then said, but I'll leave it up to you. I actually think that's a pretty good partner, you know what I mean? And just because someone's not as assertive as you would like them to be when it comes to a particular decision, for whatever reason, as frustrating as that might be to you, it doesn't mean you suddenly own the partnership. You have to take the big picture into account and keep in mind what they bring to the table. Maybe he was a little indecisive about monetization. So what? Can you net the caliber of guests he was bringing on that put the show on the map? Can you hold your own in an intellectual debate the way he can? And at the end of the day, I'm not trying to piss on Kyle. In the very brief exchanges we've had, he's been nothing but nice to me. Believe it or not, it actually doesn't feel good criticizing him. But I watched a show I loved go down the drain, and I'm reacting to it in what I hope is a relatively objective, fair, and measured way. Once again, maybe it's a pipe dream, but I would love it if the two of them somehow reconciled and got back together, not just because it would mean we'd have the non-sequitur show back, but because it would mean an instant end to all this drama, too. But unless they do ever mend fences, this will probably be the last episode I do on the non-sequitur show. Okay, thanks for listening. You know the drill, Facebook, Twitter, 
please support me on Patreon if you can afford it. I don't want anyone to break the bank on my account, but if you're the type of bloke or lass who likes, is that cultural appropriation uh, of British people, who, <laughs> who likes supporting content creators and you enjoy what I do, please consider supporting the show monetarily so I can continue to grow the show and perhaps someday even turn into my day job. Cheers! There I go again, everyone. And as promised, here's Bug Martin's Hypocrite's Rag in its entirety. Check out Pyrrhic Victory Records or Recordings and Bug Martin on SoundCloud. Till next week. Well, in the church on Sundays, you shake my hand and we sing songs. When you're all alone, you talk about my life gone wrong. Nowadays people say the end is coming soon But there ain't no way in hell that heaven's full of folks like you Cause if you pick apart the scripture just to suit your biases And look down on your neighbors when they come to you in need Pardon me for saying God's got no time to suffer fools And there ain't no way in hell that heaven's full of folks like you Yeah.